0: Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. In this week's episode, it's my honor to welcome a woman who Oprah Oprah Winfrey once referred to as the thought leader for the next generation. Marie Forleo is an incredible person and you're going to see this really quickly why this interview was so much fun to ha- have. She has over 52 million views of Marie TV on YouTube. She has over 12 million downloads of her own podcast, the Marie Forleo podcast. She has a number one New York Times best-selling book called Everything is outable and that's one of the ones that we talk about today. But, you know, besides all of her uh, crazy influence and success, she is so down to earth. It's a She comes across in a way of just understanding what the real struggles are that we have as normal leaders and people to get through, um, you know, to break through one of our challenges are, and then just gives us real practical advice that we can act on immediately. And so in this conversation, we dive into, you know, a little bit about her background, which is really cool from, you know, trying to figure out her life's passion to becoming, you know, someone who has 52 million people check out her content on YouTube. Uh, we talk about struggling with self-talk. How do we help kids overcome the struggle with self-talk and perfection? Her book, Everything is Figure uh, is a bold title because, you know, some people might push back saying, I'm not sure everything is figure outable So we dive into um, what her thoughts are there. And then we dive in a little bit to the power of a morning routine. And so she's just... Again, this is a, a great conversation. She's someone that if you've not read her book, it's a great, great book, really easy read. Uh, and if you're still not sure, if you wanna check out the book, go check out Marie TV or listen to her podcast because I think pretty quickly, after you watch an episode or two or listen to an episode or two, you'll find that she's someone that you wanna hear more from. And so it was an honor to have her. I mean, I can't believe that Uh, we were able to to get her this quickly and so we're just very very fortunate to have her it's a great conversation hope you enjoyed as much as i did as always thanks for listening if you haven't subscribed please hit the subscribe button Uh, we need all support you can get and at most importantly as you're listening if you hear anything that marie talks about that could be helpful to anyone in your life please share this with them Uh, that's the whole point of this podcast is to help people grow um, and continue to make improvement in their lives so thanks again for listening enjoy this episode Marie, thank you so much for making time to be here with me today.
1: Oh, it's a joy. I love it. Let's get into it.
0: I mean, it's a huge blessing as you heard from our amazing producer Abby, uh the type of impact you make on people is not uh it's not just, you know, a moderate impact that someone's like, "Oh, she's so nice, Marie." I mean, Abby like told me immediately, Marie's going to come. I'm so excited. She has changed my life. I've talked to three other people since then. So I'm like, Abby, you don't get that excited about much. Like who are these other people? And like the people, the people who know your content, appreciate your genuineness, appreciate your passion and appreciate your honesty about how to overcome challenges. So it is an honor, honor, honor to have you here today.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, we're all doing the best that we can, right? And I feel like once we get an insight, any of us, or we stumble upon something that actually works, or we come across a bit of research or science or a habit or a discipline that consistently creates better results. You know, I'm from New Jersey. I feel like it's my responsibility to like shout it out from the rooftops. If I find the best gelato in town, the best pizza (laughs) or the best idea that could potentially help someone in their lives, like I need to share it. So it's a joy to be with you. And I love that your audience, we're so committed, all of us together are so committed to learning and we're so committed to growth and bringing that sense of curiosity and wonder to, you know, what can we do to make our, our careers better, our professions better the people that we serve? Like, how can we be our best selves? So I think we're going to have a lot of fun today.
0: That's awesome. So tell me, I mean, the first question we ask everybody is the same, who are you and what do you love about what you do?
1: So who am I? I feel like I could answer that from so many different aspects of myself, like many of us can, you know, on the surface, I consider myself um, a creator, you know, I write books, I create content, I create training experiences, and really the mission and the purpose is to give people the tools that can help them change their own lives and really awaken to their deepest potential. And I think on a soul level, um, which we're just going to go right in there and go deep, you know, who am I? And when I ask that, that question to myself and I get really quiet, I, I will say that the answer that comes up is love and the same love that's within all of us, you know, so on the surface level, Jersey girl, lots of hair, passion, blah, blah, blah. And on that deeper level. Um, And in terms of what I do and the favorite, what I love most about what I do, to be quite honest, is watching people awaken to their own power and potential, being able to Mm. be alongside of people when they might find themselves at a moment of struggle, insecurity, challenge, devastation, grief. Whatever that moment may be where they're reaching out for a new answer or a new possibility, or they might need some help in some area of their lives and to be able to guide them towards themselves, towards, again, ideas or principles or body of work or a practice that helps them ignite what is already inside of them helps them listen to their intuition, helps them get on a path and start taking consistent action. That for me is my favorite part of what I do. And I've been doing it now for over 22 years. So watching people wake wow. up how powerful they are and to watch them create the results that let's say they wanted. Oh my gosh, you know, I wanted to start this new business or I wanted to make this career change, or I wanted to really take charge of my health, or I wanted to turn around my financial life and then give them some tools and some steps and some structure and some encouragement and then watch them do it. I think for me, I get the most joy out of watching other people win. I love that so much. And mm-hmm. That's what my favorite part of my job is.
0: You said something at the start of this, when you're saying, Hey, let's go to the soul level. When I get quiet and I talk to myself, one of the disciplines that I've been convicted of lately that I'm not, I've not been very good at, like, like you, I have a lot of passion. I want to like see the best in people, but I don't often find or make time to sit in the quiet with my thoughts and really analyze how important of a regular practice. I've, I've seen stuff and I know where your head is, but like how important of a regular practice is finding that quiet time for you and your effectiveness?
1: So for me, it's everything. So like technically in this body right now, I'm a person who has ADHD. I've always been what I call a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Like there's a lot happening at all times. You know, my brain is going in 27 different directions, like many of us, Uh, I think. And especially too, you know, when I started my business uh, back in like the year 2000, you know, we didn't have social media yet. YouTube hadn't been invented. So things generally speaking, from a societal technological standpoint, we're a lot quieter. And I still remember I had a lot that I wanted to do and achieve. And now watching how my own brain and my own experience has reacted over these past, let's say 10 years, maybe 15 years since social has become a real part of most of our lives and technology has begun to invade, for lack of a better word, almost every moment of our existence. Finding that quiet time every day, Dustin, for me is a non-negotiable, it's a lifesaver. When I find myself in difficult, mm-hmm. dark places, when I find myself either feeling anxious or uh feeling a little depressed or feeling like off track, I always know like, oh, I'm listening to my monkey mind, I'm listening to the conditioning, I'm listening to all these voices. And by mm-hmm. sitting in meditation, and it doesn't have to be complex. Even for 10 minutes, Dustin, and some days I can sit for, you know, it could be 20 or 40 minutes. I like guided meditations because they help really keep me on track. I cannot emphasize what a difference it makes, not only in my ability to stay clear and focused, but I feel like in my nervous system. And I feel like what I do is replug in, almost like we need to charge our phones or our computers in order for them to have the right juice. The silence and the meditation for me every day plugs me back in where we started this conversation on a soul level. And no matter what anyone listening believes, if they believe in anything, whether it's a higher power or God or whatever you call it, uh, it could be just a higher intelligence or source or just something that's beyond what these physical bodies are. For me, I feel like I get plugged into my higher self and a source of wisdom that never, ever comes from my intellect. It doesn't come from the reasoning brain. It doesn't come from my logic. It doesn't come from any other form, but from there. I'll, I'll let me correct that. The only other form that it comes through and we we're talking with Abby, your producer about this uh, before we started recording is actually dance and movement. That's the other place that kind of reconnects me or recharges me. And ironically, it, it is a similar experience. It just comes through a different channel.
0: That's powerful. I, I watched, I don't want to dive into TV necessarily just yet, but I've watched so many of your videos and preparation to get to know you. Yeah. And one of them, you talked about the power of a morning routine. And it may have been on Instagram or something as well. Like you just, your yeah. videos are everywhere, which is awesome. Um, what is the power of a morning routine and why, how long have you, like, what does it look like? How long wow. have you had that? And why would you recommend that uh, for people?
1: let's talk about the why first. And I think uh, depending on your listeners, and I, I really want to acknowledge this for some folks listening right now, they'll be like, oh, a morning routine. Like I've been hearing about this forever. They're rolling their eyes. They're like, not this again. If you're in that camp, amazing. For other folks listening right now, you might be like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, what is your morning routine? Like, why is it important? So let's dive into the why. And for the people who are eye rolling, I think that they're, first of all, it's okay. And B. It's just really good to go back to the basic knowledge that how you begin your morning is really priming you for the rest of your experience of the day. And so if you Mm -hmm. can set yourself up to feel as best as possible, Given the circumstances, if you can carve out some time in the morning to really get clear on what's most important for you and how you would ideally like the day to go, and for most of us, again, we live in these times where we're really busy. We've got a lot of things pulling on our attention, whether it's your kids or your team or your community or maybe there's you know different elements that you have to take care of. In my world, we're often last on the list, and so when it comes to like getting that workout in creating time for prayer or meditation or journaling, or just having time with their loved ones, that's usually last. And so creating a morning routine for me, it's just really effective and smart. And it's not about having a perfect one. It doesn't have to be three hours long or 17 steps where you're doing like, you know, your vision board and then you're chanting and then you're working out before. It. It's like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. So what I tell people, I'm like, look, you can have, and sometimes mine is like this, as short as like three minutes like a minute of breathing and sitting in stillness, a minute of writing down like the number one thing either you want to experience, accomplish or feel for that day. And then doing literally a minute of crunches or squats or lunges or dances or whatever. In three minutes, you can have yourself feeling really good. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. So going back to what mine is, because that was another part of your question. Here's something that I think is unique about how I approach this. And I would encourage everyone listening to give this a try oftentimes one of the resistant pieces to morning routines is the rigid and it just feels a little like god i can't do that every single morning and not every day is the same and what if my dog throws up or my kid is sick or i'm not feeling well or i have a 4 a.m flight or something like that so what i like to do is i like to craft my morning routine to support whatever my primary project is at this particular stage and season of my life so let me give you an example When I was working on crafting uh, an experience called Time Genius, which is an online program that I created, it was the most important thing that I needed to work on for about six months. So there was all the research, there was all the preparation, there was everything that went into wanting to create this extraordinary um, online program that would transform people's lives. And so at that time, I wasn't going to put a hardcore workout in the morning. Why? Because when I do a hardcore workout, I am toast. Like I feel like I need to go lay down for a few minutes. Do you know what I mean? it takes so much energy because I used to be a Nike elite athlete. So I go hard. Like if I'm gonna work out in that huh. kind of format, you know, and so it eats up all this time. So what I did was I adjusted my morning routine so that it was just quick meditation a quick amount of journaling, and then I went into my first focus block of the day, which is writing. Why did I do that? Because I understand a bit about brain science and I know that I only have so much cognitive fuel every day, Dustin, and I don't want to waste it on little things, on trying to get a bunch Mm. of other things done. And I don't want to spend a lot of cognitive fuel on a really tough workout where it's going to be two hours before I feel okay again. Does that make sense?
0: So let me contrast Uh, I'm laughing because like I'm a early 5am let's get after it but to yeah. your point we get after it and then I'm not as energetic as I thought I was going to be at that point point. and so this could yes. revolutionize my wife has probably been trying to hint at this for a while for me but
1: yes so you can still be that like I'm up at 5am let's get after it but the it that you're getting after should be flexible. So uh, let me give you another example. When I was getting ready for, uh, to go basically on book tour for my book, Everything is Figure Outable, the way I launched my book was I actually did a concert. And it was, I asked myself the question, what if um, a Beyonce concert, a TED talk and a block party got together and had a baby? That's what I want to do. So we had this huge concert at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City in 2019. And in order to do this, Dustin, I was actually, because I'm a dancer, I was performing in addition to talking, which meant I had to condition my body in a way that I haven't had to do since my old Nike athlete days. When I was preparing for that concert, my morning routine did not look like I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and you know, meditating and journaling and then writing and then going to train in the gym. Then my morning routine was like very tiny, like maybe five minutes of meditation. I didn't even journal until at night. And I went straight to my rehearsals because retraining my physical body at that time was the most important primary project. So all this to say, and I hope mm-hmm. I'm not going too far into it, Is I want people to give themselves the flexibility that if something's going on in their world, let's say they're an educator and they're working on an entirely new initiative, right, whether it's for their their district or their classroom or some kind of initiative, and it requires a lot of cognitive, intense, generative work. It's like, you don't have to force yourself to do your morning workout or an hour long workout when a 15 minute one can get you that, you know, movement and that juice that's really going to fire up your brain, but you're still going to have enough tank, uh, gas in the tank to get your best creative work down, you know, from let's say 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. before the rest of your day starts. So I just feel like, It's smart and wise to customize a morning routine. You give yourself the best possible chance of having a fantastic day and taking care of yourself. And most importantly, it needs to be flexible and support whatever your primary project is right now.
0: That's awesome. Uh, so before we dive deeper, cause I want to dive into your book as well as just, I want to throw a few topics out for you to, to grapple with with us. One of the things that I love in your bio is, you know, it says, and I'm sure you know it well with nothing more than passion, a laptop and a dream, you basically create a social conscious digital media empire that inspires millions. And we're talking millions, like 52 million. We'll keep going across the globe. How does that even happen? Like, I, I don't, I don't need you to tell me everything in your life. So obviously, yeah. but like, who sits around is like, you know what? I want to inspire some people. I got a laptop, a dream, and some passion. Like a lot of people have that. Wh- how do we even get there? What, what happened?
1: I'll tell the story as quickly as I can because <laughs> what, it, how it came about was actually through a lot of pain and a lot of failure. So after yeah. I got out of college, um, I started working on Wall Street on the New York Stock Exchange. I was really excited for that job. It was the only job that I thought could fit me because I have a lot of energy. And literally at that time, On the new york stock exchange there were no seats you could not sit down there was these little like like just flimsy seats that you could pull but you had to spend the whole day just on your feet and running i'm like this sounds awesome to me and i remember dustin after about six months being on the floor of the stock exchange i started hearing this little voice inside i said marie this isn't who you are this isn't what you're meant to be this isn't what you're meant to do here's the problem it didn't tell me what i was supposed to be doing instead so i'm the first in my family to go to college my parents busted their buns to give me an education. And all I kept thinking yep. about was like, I want to quit. Right. So I felt terribly guilty. I felt like a bad human because I was grateful to have a paycheck, but I couldn't deny that I just felt like I was dying the slow death. One day I go to work and I told my boss at the time, I was like, hey, I just need to go out and get a coffee. Is that okay? It's like totally fine. I didn't go get a coffee. I made a beeline to the nearest church I had gone to a Catholic university and Destin, I just started crying my eyes out um on. the church steps because I felt like such a loser. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I I know I have a strong work, work ethic. I want to work really hard. I hate this job. I want to quit. I don't want to bring shame on my parents. And I got my first intuitive hit of guidance, which is like, call your father. I whip out my flip phone because it's 1997 or 98. And I'm crying the ugly cry to my dad going like, I can't stand it. I'm so sorry. You guys, you know, all the things you did, you worked so hard to put me through college. And I, I just want to quit this job my dad interrupted me. He said, Ray, you've been working since you're nine years old. I have no doubt you're able to put a roof over your head. He's like, but let me give you a piece of advice. You're going to be working for the next 40, if not 50 years of your life. You need to find something you love. And if this job is making you so miserable that you had to run out and you're crying on the church steps, then you need to quit and do whatever it takes to find something you're going to love. Because when you do, it's not going to feel like work anymore. And even though I didn't know how the heck to find something I loved, like it sounded like, what does that mean? My dad gave me this huge permission slip that he wasn't going to a, like I didn't bring shame on the family and he wasn't going to think I was, you know, crazy for wasting their money on my education. All that to say, the only clues I had was that I was um, very creative and I also loved the business world. I had, gotten this temp position at gourmet magazine. So I went into publishing. I was like, well, maybe I just need to be more creative around more creative people. And Dustin and I got this new job. I'm like, okay, this is going to be it. It's awesome. I'm working with all these, you know, powerful people, magazines, blah, blah, blah. Six months in same voice comes back. Marie, this isn't who you are. This isn't what you're doing. This isn't what you're meant to, to be in the world. And I was like, oh God, what's wrong with me? Right. I said, okay, let Six me think months. about it. Some let me think about this more analytically. I'm like, okay, wall street, very business focused being on the ad side of a magazine, still very numbers and business focused. I was like, okay, maybe I need to flex more of my creative muscles. I know I need to be on the editorial side of the magazines. That's, that's what I've been doing wrong. I'm just not being creative right now. Go to HR said any job you have on the editorial side of any magazine, I'm your girl. They find me a position at Mademoiselle fashion magazine. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be it. I'm going to fashion shows. I'm working with designers and photographers doing layouts. I'm like, this is awesome. It's going to be the best thing ever. Wonderful. At first, six months later, same voice came back. It was a palm to forehead moment. Now I'm panicked. Now I'm like, what is wrong with me? Do I have some type of cognitive deficiency? Am I just a loser who can't commit to anything? One day I was on the internet, probably when I shouldn't have been. I stumbled across an article about a new profession at the time called coaching. You got to get this like 1999. Now it was also new Dustin. Here's the truth. I read this article about what this new profession of coaching was. And I kid you not something in me lit up like a Christmas tree. And it was a feeling I had never had before. I was like, this is it. It was like the clouds parted and there were little angels with trumpets going, Oh, right. Like that. Mm -hmm. The same time, my head said, what are you, crazy? What is a life coach? That's the cheesiest thing ever. You're piles in debt. You can't seem to hold down a job. This is going to be one more thing you fail at. Great. Had that voice happening. Ignored it. Signed up on the spot for like a, I think it was like a three-year coach training program. And I was doing that at night while I was working at Mademoiselle during the day. A couple months, fast forward. I get a call from the HR department. They had a promotion for me. Here's my big fork in the road. Stay at the steady paycheck, healthcare benefits, all that stuff, or quit and do this weird life coaching thing that no one had ever heard of. I have no clue how to start a business. It feels amazing in my body, but it sounds terrifying. And again, my head's telling me like, you're nuts. This is crazy. It's the stupidest thing ever. What did I do? I wound up quitting my job. I started bartending and waiting tables again, and I figured out how to start a business during the day. So I didn't just wake up going like, I want to inspire millions of people. The path there was through so much pain and the discovery process of feeling into what sounded crazy at the moment, but then turned into something 22 years later that I feel like I was born to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, now you look from a laptop and a passion and all this stuff to having Oprah, uh, endorse you having 52 million subscribers, I think, or something crazy to your, your, uh, TV channel. Like it, it's, I almost called it MTV, which makes sense. Marie TV, yeah. but, uh, uh, that's a little bit different brand there. Uh, you won, you talked about, uh, the self-talk and every guest that we've had on at some point, it feels like, They've talked about how to try talk about trying to tackle and overcome their own negative self-talk. And what's interesting is that someone like you who influences so many people, it's refreshing to hear that you also have to fight that. So what kind of encouragement do you have for people who are fighting their own self-talk or trying to figure out how to conquer that?
1: Yeah. So it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning and here can be somewhat of a a useful analogy. So when uh, that earlier, younger version of me, right, was kind of, I was hearing the battles like, oh my God, this feels so right. And then it was like, this is stupid. This is cheesy. This is terrible. You're going to fail at it. What I've learned now through years and years and years and a ton of experiences is when those conversations are happening in my mind and I'm listening to them. If I believe I am those conversations, I'm lost in it. It's almost like, Dustin, do you know how when you're sitting on the couch and you're watching a great movie or a TV show and it becomes so enthralling that you're just, you forget you exist, like you're almost yep. in the show with them, right? You completely lose consciousness of yourself and you're with the characters and you're like, <gasps> like you you forget that you have a house, that your butt's on the couch and you can't feel any of it because you're engaged. Same thing with those voices in our head. So the deepest, truest part of who we are, our consciousness can be aware of that conversation, but you don't have to get lost in the conversation. So that stillness, if you can actually notice that you're in that conversation and it's always going back and forth and you just kind of sit back on the couch metaphorically in your consciousness, there's a deeper part of you that has wisdom that's never gonna come from the voices. So you have a mind, but you are not your mind. And the more that you can be present to that fact, the more you can actually just witness those voices happening without taking them seriously or personally. I don't know if we went too deep there, so I'm going to pause and let me know if you're tracking with Oops. me. But, but it's so it's not necessarily- I'm, I'm
0: definitely out. tracking-
1: overcoming the voices because they're like, they'll suck you in. And then you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm in the movie. How do I get you you doing it? You're just lost in it. But when you're, when you're like, Oh, those are the voices. Let me just be still. What do I feel? What feels true for me? What is my intuition telling me? What is my heart telling me? What's my body wisdom telling me? And you start moving from that higher source of wisdom It's almost as if you can bypass the voices You're not going to overcome them because they've been talking since you were born. And they'll probably going to be talking until all of us take our last breath. That's just the nature of the mind. Um, So I find also, too, that the more that you fight them, the more power they get. (laughs) So like trying to be forceful and like, oh, it just almost they they might step back for a second, but then they're going to come because if you missed up, they'll be like, see, I told you. See, you shouldn't have done that. So if you're just like, nope, I'm just, (laughs) that's the movie, tap into the wiser wiser part and go from there.
0: Well, it seems like that's part of, again, the strength of uh, having that silent time or the meditation for you is it gives you that ability to like, gather with yourself. And so when that time comes, you're okay and know how to be quiet and peaceful and search out what's true and what's not right.
1: That's right. And it keeps you plugged into the awareness that you have a mind, but you are not your mind. So in a sense, for anyone who's ever practiced meditation or tried it, those thoughts and the conversation become almost like if you're laying on a field and you're watching clouds pass by, right? The clouds come and they go and they come and they go and you just watch them and they keep coming and keep going, but you're not pretend like you're like i'm not a cloud you know you have no problem with that version of witnessing yep. where yep. most of us do better is when we use that same form of witnessing and awareness with the conversation in our mind that's where we get that separation and we stay plugged into our what i call our divinity our higher self our wiser self
0: that's awesome. Uh, so Abby, who is, uh, my right hand woman who keeps my life together in so many ways, uh, would probably kill me if I don't dive into the book that really impacted her life and changed her life in a lot of ways. So can we talk a little bit about everything is outable?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, so, so yeah, please.
0: No, just real quick. I, I love one of the, um, uh, reviews. I think one of the quotes was it's a must read for anyone who wants to face their fears fulfill their dreams and find a better way forward. And again, that's pretty broad. And so I am just curious and I've I've seen uh different reviews to talk about where you how you got this idea and all that, but I'd love for you to tell as much of that story as you can of yeah. who's this for, what's this about, and let's what are the lessons I'm going to get from this?
1: So, everything is figure outable. Is this fantastic phrase? It's a mantra, it's a philosophy. It is absolutely universal in nature. It can help you solve mundane problems like fixing a flat tire or a busted washing machine. It can help you completely change your career, overhaul a relationship, totally heal your health, And it can be the kind of fuel underneath any major change in an organization or a society. So it is that powerful. Um, I would love to tell really briefly, we'll go into it quickly, like where this idea came from and how it came about, because I think so many of us can relate. So um, it actually comes from my mom, who's this really interesting, amazing beautiful woman. She's in her mid seventies now. Um, she's about five, three. She looks like June Cleaver. She has the tenacity of a bulldog and she cusses like a, like a truck driver. Like she's just spicy (laughs) and saucy. And that's just my mom. And so she grew up uh, in a lot of hardship and poverty and, uh, the daughter of two alcoholic parents. And she had promised herself that when she grew up, she would find a way to a better life. And so Dustin, one of my favorite memories as a kid was being in New Jersey with my mom on Sundays, sitting at our kitchen table, clipping out coupons because she loved teaching me all the different ways that our family could save money. And she also taught me about the fact that brands would send you these really cool things like cooking books or utensils or what have you, if you saved up what were known as proofs of purchase, did your, I don't know if your family ever experienced that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So one of my mom's prized possessions was this free thing that she got from Tropicana orange juice. So it's (laughs) a radio, it's like an AM FM transistor radio. It is shaped like an orange. It looks like an orange has a little red and white straw sticking out of the top. And she like loved this thing. And as a kid, I remember just like running around the house and, and knowing like anytime I needed to find my mother, I could listen for the sound of this tinny radio somewhere around the house or somewhere around the yard. So one day I remember walking home from school and like my mom loves music. Like I love music. And so I'm walking down towards the house and like, I hear music blaring out of this tiny little thing. And as I'm approaching, the music was coming from up above and I was like, this is weird. And so I walk up and I see my mom perched precariously on the roof of our two story house. I don't see a ladder. I don't see anything. And I see this little Tropicana orange next to her butt. And it's like, Maybe woman. You know, and I'm like, mom, I'm like, what are you doing? Are you okay? Like, what are you doing on the roof? And she yells down. She's like, Ray, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. You know, the roof had a leak. I called the roofer. He said it was going to be at least 500 bucks. I said, screw that. I'm doing it myself. This is my mom. <laughs> I come home another day, come home from school. And like, I push open the door and I hear like music blasting from the back because in my house. So I'm walking back there and it turns out my mom's in the bathroom. And I push open the bathroom door, and it looks like a freaking bomb went off. There's like dust particles in the air, and there's pipes sticking out of the wall. And I was like, you know, I thought something bad happened. I was like, Mom, what's going like? What's going on? Are you okay? And she's like, Ray, don't worry about it. She's like, the cr- the tiles had some cracks in them, and I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy. So I'm retiling the entire bathroom and now Dustin, you have to get, this was the eighties. Right. And my mom is only high school educated. So this is very, this is like pre-internet. This is pre-Google. This is pre-YouTube. So one day I come home from school and uh, it was dark out. It was in the fall and it was already creepy. And as I'm approaching my house, I was like, something's wrong. Something's different. It was completely dark and it was silent. And for an Italian American home, like, not a good sign. So I had this pit in my stomach. I'm like, oh God, what am I walking into here? And I go inside and I hear nothing. And I'm like, where's my mom? And like, where's the radio? And then all of a sudden I hear these little like, like this sounds weird sounds coming from the kitchen. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I go in the kitchen. And I see my mom and she's like hunched over the table, which looks like an operating room. And in front of her is like a screwdriver and there's electrical tape. And then in like a dozen pieces is a completely dismantled Tropicana orange radio. And I'm like, mom, are you okay? I'm like, that's your favorite thing. What happened? Is it broke? And she looks at me, she's like, oh, no, everything's fine. She's like, you know, the, the antenna was a little off and the, the, the dial wasn't working right. She's like, so I'm fixing it. And I, I just stood there, Dustin, I'm watching her work her magic. And I finally thought to ask the question I should have always asked, which was this It's like, hey, mom, how do you know how to do so many different things that you've never done before and nobody's showing you how to do it? And so she puts down her screwdriver and she like cocks her head to the side. She looks at me and she's like, Great. She's like, what are you talking about? It's no big deal. She's like, you can like anything you set your mind to you can do. If you just roll up your sleeves, you get in there and you do it. Everything is figure outable. <laughs> and Dustin, I was like, I'd never heard that word before. I was like, everything is figure outable. Like everything is figure outable. Oh my God. I figure-out-able. And so from that moment on, that tiny little phrase like washed over my body, and I'm not kidding you, it has been the driving force for every major obstacle or minor obstacle in my life still to this day. It is something that like helped me get through uh, like toxic, abusive relationships. When I was in my younger days, it helped me, you know, get every job I've ever had. It's helped me at every stage of my business. It's helped me save relationships. It's helped me get out of like everything you could possibly imagine. This phrase has helped me do And Anyone I've had the opportunity to teach this phrase to has been like, it saves me. Like it gets me back in the zone. And, and so I'll be quiet there for a moment, but it is that powerful. And it what I found is that it has this ability to turn on a part of our innate power that is creative, that is unstoppable, that is curious, that is willing to do what it takes to transform or transcend any type of challenge you could possibly face.
0: Yeah. I think when I was reading, I feel like the takeaways for me, when I think about like mind games is always key, right? So I asked you like, how do we work on our own self? Like, and you tackle that pretty quickly. It's not just self-talk, it's uh, the excuse talk, right? So how do we overcome our mind games? So I'm curious what kind of advice you have for that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, all of us, right? Like we can tell ourselves like, oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I don't have the money to do whatever the thing is that we are considering doing. And so I think with excuses, first of all, it's, it's, it's important for all of us to call ourselves out like me first, right? Like I have, there's always been times in my life where I'm like, Oh, that would be nice, but I don't have the time to do it. Or "That would be wonderful, but I I really can't afford it right now. And when I actually slow down and look at it, that's total BS. It is. It's total BS because I also have proof in my life for that. When something was really important, I made the time. And when there was a type of experience or something that I really wanted to engage with or sign up for or have, if it was important enough to me, somehow I got real creative and figured out the money and made it happen. So this notion of having kind of no excuse living, it's, it's one of the pre requisites if you want to have a fully unstoppable everything is figure outable kind of life you have to be willing to call yourself out on your own excuses and the two most common are usually I don't have the time and I don't have the money and here's what I always like to tell people about excuses the best way to start to dissolve this for yourself and this is what I do on myself all the time and I love it it's so much fun is just pay attention anytime you hear the words I can't Coming out of your mouth, I can't because like I can't work out every morning because I'm too busy. I just don't have the time. There's too many people depending on me, or you know I can't sign up for that educational course or do whatever it is because I can't afford it. And here's what I've discovered: one of the best ways to dissolving our excuses is to replace "can't" with "won't." Can't mm. with "won't." So two swaps of four-letter words. So what does "won't" mean? When we investigate "won't," "won't" means you don't. Want to. You're not truly willing to. You don't want to make the sacrifices or work that hard or change anything or get uncomfortable. And so for me, anytime I'm about to say the word I can't, I always replace it with won't because 99, not 100%, but 99% of the time, won't is more true. And whenever Mm -hmm. we get more honest with ourselves in our own lives, and you can do this privately, there is a real surge of energy that comes back. Why? When we use the word can't, most of us start to feel, even if on a subconscious level, victimized as though we're not in control of our life or our time or our money. And anytime we start to not feel in control of that, we can feel resentful. We can feel small. We can kind of dismiss our power. We just get into this place of not having agency but the moment you use the word won't and you're like, Oh, I won't do that because it's really not that important to me or for me. Like I have oftentimes said, Oh, I can't learn Italian because I really don't have the time. I'm so busy with my business, but you want to know what, Justin, you know what I have the time for watching white Lotus. You don't have the time. for (laughs) Right. So it's not that I can't because I don't have the time. The real truth is it's not my highest priority. My highest priority is my business and having a meal and then hanging out and watching some TV. And so it's like that level of real talk with yourself is freeing. It's freeing. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you unambitious. It doesn't make you lazy. It makes you honest. And so when you Mm -hmm. no longer feel like the victim of your own life, when you no longer feel like you can't or you're trapped in some prison that someone else made, All of a sudden you get all this energy back. And when you have all that energy back, you have a lot more gas in the tank to devote towards the things that are really your true priorities that you really want to tackle, for lack of a better word, that you really want to figure out.
0: Yeah, I think you just reminded me what my wife and I need to get to season two of White Lotus. So thank you for that. Oh, it's
1: the best. It is (laughs) the
0: best ever. So, anyways, we will go down that path. Um, You know, you you do a really good job of being plugged in on social media. Obviously, when it's one of your goals to create a digital media empire to inspire people, uh, it's it's probably a priority of yours. But uh, you, you seem to just like your personality is right now. You're incredibly engaging. You listen really well. You give really direct feedback and thoughts. As you've, you know, I guess the last three years or so, as you've been either touring the country, doing lots of Zooms when you can't tour the country or on social media, what is the most consistent feedback about the impact this book has had on people that like continues to come up? Is there a theme or is there one bit of feedback that like you just can't shake and you're like, wow, I didn't realize it would do that for people?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. One, thank you for asking. Two, the book is now in like 36 languages. And so yeah. I get a lot of response, which is really cool. But I, what I want to do is actually tell a story that came in from the early days, because I think that this handles some objections. And, you know, I've said when I remember telling the title to like dear friends of mine, um, one of my friends who uh, does a lot of work in the addiction space with people that are going through any type of rehabilitation. And he said to me, he's like, Marie, I. I love you. I love your work. I know you have a big heart. He's like, but everything, everything is outable. Like what about things like addiction? What about these really difficult, um, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking aspects of our lives? Like, isn't this a little glib? And you, how can you make that promise? And I said, I completely understand that. I said, let me tell you a story that came to me that I did not expect. So Dustin, when I actually first started sharing this, uh, one of the first places beyond my own audience that I talked about this idea was actually Oprah's stage. So she had this event called the Super Soul Sessions, and it was almost like Oprah's version of TED Talks, right? And so my talk was about this topic. Everything was figureoutable. So after that event was done, they turned that talk into podcasts. And so it reached a lot more people than my own audience. And so I got an email one day from a woman named Jen, and here's what she said. She said, you know what, Marie? This notion that everything is figure outable. Like, I loved your talk so much. This is something my mom had been trying to teach me my whole life. We watched it together. We loved it. It was amazing. She's like, then something happened that made me question whether everything is figure outable. My mom, who's like my best friend, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, nothing seemed figure outable. She said, but I took a step back and I breathed. And I thought about it. and Here's what I came up with. What I could figure out was how to find mom, uh, food that my mom could actually tolerate. What I could figure out was how to get medical equipment to my mom's home. What I could figure out was how to keep my mom in her house, which is the place where she wanted to be for not only this experience, but what turned out to be the last five weeks of her life.
0: Mm.
1: So she said, Marie, I want you to know that everything really is figure outable. And sometimes we have to take the circumstances that life presents to us, break them down and see what we can figure out. And she said, thank you so much for sharing this concept, because it made such a huge difference to two women on the other side of the world. Jen's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so I share that story because every single one of us faces extraordinarily difficult and challenging circumstances in our lives, right? Like tragedy and loss and grief, we're all going to experience it. And so I do think that this idea, while it can help us do fun things and creative things and generative things and help us solve kind of everyday problems or challenges we might have in our career that aren't of that level, I also do still think that it is a (laughs) wonderful philosophy that keeps us in touch with our creativity and our agency and our ability to produce change, even in the face of the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching circumstances that we could all face.
0: That's powerful. And so uh, I could I, I keep you here all day and I promise not to do that, <laughs> given I'm sure what your schedule no. looks like. I I mean, I, I, I just hope that again, Abby is someone who means a lot to me, but there's three other people I've asked because I'm like, if Abby really was changed by this book, I wonder, there's a few friends, my wife's in a book club with folks that we love. And so uh, they've also been like, oh my God, you get to talk to Marie. I'm like, yeah, Ah. it's amazing. And so these are people who I, I look up to as like, you know, they're school leaders or they're organizational leaders or people who like get things done. And so when they say this helped me, that really matters to me. And so as I dug into you, because people I value really care about your work your, I love your YouTube channel. Like, I think obviously like there's some, ter- there's some crossover, I think with your, your podcast and YouTube, so they can, yes. they can all get your stuff, which is awesome. But I think you choose relevant topics, you give simple to do's and you're just yes. genuine, honest about like, Hey, this is tough. And so again, when you start feeling and I can't do this, uh, yes. is that where most people engage with you is through, uh, Marie TV or Instagram?
1: Yeah, like depending on people's learning style. So actually, so TV is where it all started way back in, in 2010 from a digital standpoint, right? I was always yes. writing from, uh, two, God, 2000 on. I've always been on, on the email content. But if someone okay. is also a okay. more audio learner, the podcast is great because we have remixes and sometimes it's unique, but a lot of times we try and um, just ta- tackle the same topic. So if you're audio, go listen to the podcast. You can find it anywhere. YouTube, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of free episodes. And then on Instagram tends to be a little, just like most social, right? It's like a little different. And we kind of have, no, I don't want to say more fun. It's just different fun with memes and shorter things over there. But any place where people find that they get value in their own learning style, we have enormous amounts of free resources um, in any of those places.
0: Yeah, well, I, I appreciate, I think if anybody's, you know, first hearing about you for the first time today, which I hope there are some folks, yeah. you know, going to your YouTube channel and really going through different topics, I find like you've yeah. got tidbits, but you also yeah. got linked episodes and conversations. And it's just really refreshing. And so I thank you for organizing it that way. I, before we even got on the interview, you were talking to Abby about some other things that you're you're doing. And so what are some other ways people can engage with your content that would be really yeah. helpful to
1: Absolutely. So the book is awesome because you can listen to it, you can read it. Um, it's it's beautiful, but we've got something beautiful coming up too that is actually brand new. Um, so I've been teaching a program that's called B School. It's online business school for modern entrepreneurs who want to make money and make a difference. And even if you don't want to start like some blockbuster business, but you just want to be more effective at sharing content online or a message online, or you just have ideas for a side hustle, it's awesome. We've been doing it for 14 years. We've helped over 80,000 creatives and um, small business owners know what they're doing online. And to celebrate, we've remade the program. We're doing something free and new um, coming up February 7th, 8th, and 9th. And it's called Dream Business Bootcamp dreambusinessbootcamp.com. It's a hundred percent free. So if you're someone who's ever considered either doing your own thing or you're like, God, you know what? I just want to dream a little bit bigger and I want to understand this world. And I have an entrepreneurial spirit. And even though I'm a teacher or I'm a principal or I'm an administrator, like I bring an entrepreneurial type of energy to what we do because I want to innovate. I want to change things. I want to be creative and, and, and make change in the world. You have that spirit, even though you might not fit into a traditional entrepreneurial box, I would say, come to dream business bootcamp, because we're going to walk you through not only how to dream bigger, but how to set your life up to maximize the amount of impact that you make and minimize the amount of stress and burnout and overwhelm, which again, for educators and for anyone in charge of such a huge and important mission in this world burnout is huge for all of us, this will help you start to think through how to streamline, how to do what you do with less stress and how to have a real vision of joy and sustainability as you move forward.
0: That's awesome. Well, before I let you go, we've got four rapid questions that we ask every guest. So uh, I'm really curious about your answer here. What's a habit or discipline that you utilize every day that helps you be the most effective person you can be?
1: I would say um, it's not, I'm not perfect at this. But um, in most days, it is a form of journaling where it's tapping into my higher self and I let my higher self write rather than my monkey mind. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Dustin, it's amazing.
0: That's awesome. When you're writing, are you writing thinking about future work? Are you writing about future ideas or is it like processing your own thoughts? I ask
1: questions. I ask what I need to know about like how to be of service at the highest level today, or if I'm grappling with a decision or if I'm feeling a little funky, like off kilter or like, oh gosh, something seems off. Can you help me? Like, what do I need to know today in order to do my best work? What do I need to know today in order to be kinder to myself? What do I need to know today in order to kind of really land this next creative idea? And it never sounds like me. It's way more articulate, way more wise. And I read one of my entries to my friend the other day. She's like, who is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's my higher self. That's all I have to say.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. All right. What's a book or books that you've read in your lifetime? It could be recently that you think other people really have to check out because it's made such a difference in your life.
1: So it's a classic. I think anyone who creates in their job, their role, any part of what they do, it's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It's a small book. You can read it literally in less than a day. I read it almost every year. You can open it to any page and get a jolt of like kind, but very honest, butt kicking about how resistant we can all be to doing our soul's work. And it really helps get you over those humps of feeling insecure or unworthy, or like you just got to like sit down and make it happen. But it's, it's beautifully written so quick, so effective. I I, I can't recommend it highly enough.
0: It's awesome. All right. So we used to ask like what kind of music's on your playlist, but as I told you yeah. before the interview, I have a nine-year-old who just turned nine who's obsessed with baseball. And so he's always curious, dad, what's your walk-up song or mom, what's your walk-up song? So I'm asking people if you were going to, you know, a walk-up song is like right before you get the bat and it's going to motivate you. Like, what is a song that you would love to, to use as a walk-up song if you had one?
1: So I think there might be several, depending on, you won't break my soul, Beyonce. There's just an opening house sequence. That's like insanely good. Um, That is really awesome. Almost, almost anything by Drake. I can't stop loving on Drake. He's just, he nails it nine times out of 10. Um, And if it's a Friday night, this is how we do it because I take it back old school.
0: Way back to Montel Jordan, huh?
1: That's right. I, That's exa- I mean, if it's Friday night, we have. To, we absolutely
0: have to. Oh, I love it. It's, he's he's on a few of my mixes too, so we're yeah. good. So, um, all right, advice. Uh, last one. You know, you're yes. you know being as involved uh, on social media, talking to some other thought leaders. What's the best piece of leadership or even like personal change advice? You've come across recently that you can't get out of your mind. Like either you heard it somewhere, read it somewhere and you're like, God, I just got to share this with my friends and family and anybody else who wants to listen.
1: You know, I think when it comes to being a great leader, here's what comes up in my heart. It is like leading by example. You know, rather than saying something, it's about being something. Hmm. It's about showing up in that energy with the behaviors and the vibe. And so, for example, like if I show up in a dance class, right? It's like, I want to go full out. Even if I'm in the back of the room, I want to behave my way into leadership. If I'm talking about, you know, we have a program called Time Genius. It's like, I want to walk my talk. So Mm. I think the best leadership, and again, I didn't necessarily hear, this is just what came from my heart, was just practicing being the model for it. Not so much talking about it, but just letting your energy, your vibe and your example lift people up and show them a possibility of of who they can be and how they can rise.
0: That's awesome. Um, All right. I'm going to give your day back because we're almost at the top of the hour. What's the best way for people to find out about Time Genius, the the uh, (laughs) B-School, anywhere to find you? That would be great.
1: Yeah. So generally speaking, it's marieforleo.com. So M-A-R-I-E-F-O-R-L-E-O.com. If you're interested in Dream Business Bootcamp, again, it's 100% free. We're giving away like amazing prizes. That's dreambusinessbootcamp.com. And Time Genius is jointimegenius.com But if you come to the hub, which is our main website, you can find yep. everything you need always write to us and ask us and we're always happy to help.
0: Awesome. Well, I know how in demand you are. And so making time to be here with us is just awesome. And I appreciate Uh, it. And as I told you, like I'm traveling, I'm in a schoolhouse in uh, West Palm beach, Florida right now. Uh, and I don't know about the echo, the sound or anything else. There's no chance I was going to miss this time to talk to you. So thank you for making time for
1: us. Oh, thank you so much. It was an honor.
0: All right. Well, have an awesome day. Appreciate you. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcasts on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.